Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott, physically distancing. As always, hello, Scott. Sean, you're very fired up today, and I think I know why. Why's that? You were fired up after that huge Blue Jays loss last night. <laughs> yeah, we Which are recording, one? <laughs> we are recording this on Wednesday, the day we're dropping it. Blue Jays fell 20 to something, I think 20 to 6 last night. To the Yankees of New York, uh, we certainly send our best wishes, of course, out to Andrew Stokely, who had to sit through that whole thing and mix the audio for them. Uh, not the greatest of performances that I have seen so far in this abbreviated season. Uh, you know when you know when Dan Schulman and and Buck Martinez are really looking for something to say, and uh, it's. Nights like last night, and I believe it was Friday against the Mets, was the same story. And I, I know I tweet about this, and I know I've talked to you about this. And part of me just like feels a little bit bad for Derek Fisher because he's obviously not a big league player. Like, why are they sticking him out there and, <laughs> and putting him in positions to fail? Uh, I, I did like the idea that he be forced to pitch the rest of the game. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that, that uh, would have been some sweet justice. But, uh, <laughs> I digress, and we're here today to talk about uh, some curling-related topics. Yeah, get back into the swing of things on the curling end. Uh, there has been some news in the world of curling, nothing super groundbreaking, though, with some clubs and, and some events that will be taking place, uh, events that have taken place over in Europe. But this week, we wanted to do another review of a film. We wanted to look back at some of the curling content that is available for people to watch. Of course, a few weeks ago, we did a review of the curlers and gone curling from the National Film Board of Canada. And Scott, the National Film Board of Canada on Twitter did say that they were open to more curling ideas, to more curling films. So the challenge has been laid. It is now up to all of us in the curling community to come up with an idea for a fictional curling movie that the National Film Board will want to fund. Yeah, I think, Sean, this screams out for a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter kind of movie but in order to get to that step we need somebody smarter than either of us who has an idea and a vision yes so so i'm willing to pitch little uh story ideas but i have no idea how to turn them into a cohesive tale no neither do i so anyone out there with an idea let us know we are in for it all in all in yeah so what we wanted to do this week, uh, and if you haven't checked that out, please do go back and listen to it. We had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, and the one movies are freely available on the National Film Board of Canada website. Yeah, uh, one of our one of our best, Sean, one of our best episodes. Absolutely. So uh, so this week we wanted to look at the Anything Is Possible documentary. This is about American curling slash John Schuster. We'll talk about sort of the identity of the film 
as we get into it. But that is what we're going to talk about this week on the show. Well, Sean, before we get into really breaking down this uh, Team Schuster story uh, in film form, uh-huh. Uh, you know, it, not too long ago it was your birthday and I was thinking to myself, boy, what am I going to get Sean for his birthday? Uh, you're a real tough guy to shop for. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I did reach out to a friend and got you a little message for your birthday. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and play that clip? All right. Well, I'm excited now. I don't really know what to expect, but let's, uh, all right. Clicking on it, opening up. Hi, I'm Matt Hamilton. Welcome back to my birthday podcast. Today we have Sean, <laughs> half of the hosts of Game of Stones Curling Podcast. I would like to wish happy birthday. That's awesome. Love the podcast. Love the theme. I know you're a big Team Schuster fan, but I hear you never pick us in the playoffs at the slams. Yeah, and I think that's silly because the last time I made the playoffs, I got this little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it wasn't actually the last time i made the playoffs but it was the last time i won a gold medal so it'd be sad if still pretty cool time you made the playoffs. anyway slams next on the mm-hmm. on the old docket here hoping to knock one of those out not this year because they're canceled but hopefully before the career's over slam champion so bet on me in the playoffs because i'll win it someday i will swear to gosh go gold <laughs> sorry about the shaky camera that's because of that monster see ya happy birthday sean <laughs> Wow, would you look at that. Matt Hamilton, both wishing me a happy birthday and throwing some shade. I like it. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought you could use a little humbling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am very impressed, Scott. Wow. I didn't know he was on Cameo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, Schuster's on Cameo. I just, uh, you know, I thought, I thought Matt might bring a little something extra to the table. Wow. Well, he is yeah. a, a very outgoing fellow. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, with the no curling for a while, like you said, there uh, he's got to find something to do. So, <laughs> well, I, I am I am very tickled by that. That is amazing. Thank you very much. Uh you're welcome, sir. And uh, I hope your birthday was good. So it was there you a go. swell day. Yes, it was a swell day. So thank you very much, and thank you to Matt Hamilton as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So now let's dig into the movie. All right, so that was pretty cool. Now let's get into an American curling story. And anyone out there who might not know what we're talking about, that's because this film, this little documentary, I, I don't know what to call it. It's it's 28 minutes and 16 seconds available on YouTube, produced through Curling Zone and a, a media company that they worked with for that. And you might have remembered a bit of a hubbub last year when this was released under the title, Make Curling Great Again. Yeah, a little bit of an unfortunate uh, name choice. I get what they're going for, you know, sort of capitalizing the momentum of a, a branded entity. Uh, we don't know anything about that, right, Sean? Uh, no, being, I have no being... idea why anyone would want to lean on something that's in the popular zeitgeist that's yeah, out there in the so... world. That, you know, can no get sense. clicks unintentionally. I don't know why people would want to do that. Yeah, weird, right? Uh, so, yeah, a little bit uh, unfortunate. There was some pushback uh, yeah. on Twitter and and in sort of the the world, curling world in general. And the title was changed, re-released under the name Anything is Possible, an American curling story, of course. Sean, Anything is Possible, made famous by Kevin Garnett. 
Yes, that's what I think of when I hear anything is possible. I just think I think and see Kevin Garnett screaming anything is possible after winning the NBA title. I, I think of the Lonely Island song, I'm on a boat, where one of the lines is, like Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, you're right. I don't know if it's a documentary. Is it a... Um, is, is it a piece about sort of a cultural piece, you know? Yeah. The, the culture of curling. It's for a documentary. I feel like we've been spoiled uh, since this pandemic started with documentaries, right? Uh, the, obviously the last dance came out. A lot yep. of people have been just binging documentaries off of uh, Netflix or uh, whatever streaming service you use. Uh, the All Be Gone in the Dark HBO series uh, based on Michelle McNamara's book came out. That's been pretty great. Uh, there's a new one on on HBO, uh, but the Nexium Cult, which has been really good. So like we've been spoiled with documentaries. So when I watched this, I thought, well, it's not really a documentary, but no. it's not really it's not really a publicity piece either. It's somewhere it in between. Uh, so yeah it's weird right like i was thinking that this would be along the lines of the episode of losers that mm-hmm. came out i think last year and if, you, if you're unfamiliar with the show it's a netflix show that profiles people who lose in sports or people who have famously lost big events some of them have come back to win and in a couple of cases just not dying was the victory for for the people mm-hmm. and it's one of these things that going into it, I expected that type of a narrative. And that one was about Pat Ryan and, and his teams that were constantly uh, struggling to get over the, the hump. And then they finally did it in the end. But that's what I expected. I expected a narrative drive of curling in America culminating with the Schuster gold medal. And that's not really what this is. And I wrote down about halfway through what is the point of this? And I think the purpose of it is to get Americans interested in curling. I don't know how effective it is because if that is why it was made, I'm obviously not the target audience for it. I -hmm. think it's pretty slick. I think it's really well made. I think there's a couple of great moments in it, but it's certainly not a narrative documentary that's going to take you through the story of how the American curling program got to the point where they were in position to win a gold medal. Although there's hints of that. Right. Right. So they, they do touch on the history of curling in the United States. Uh, pretty well done with sort of uh, cutting in some old clips of world champions from the sixties and seventies. Uh, that were American, like Amer- um, the United States was a pretty big curling power in the sixties yeah. and seventies on a, on a global scale. Uh, as Canadians, I don't think we think of that or know that enough. Right. Uh, so they did sort of set up, okay, the, we were doing well and then just cut to, and then it stopped Yeah, where I think, so to, to be fair, you know, they've got a budget and uh, the purpose was not to explore in depth the decline of American curling. It was to explore uh, the team Schuster's rise, which yep. I, I don't know if it did that either. But uh, so in a, a longer documentary, I would expect them to go into what happened, why 
did teams from the United States start not doing as well at the Worlds? Was it money? Was it an economic downturn in areas where curling is strong? Something, right? Yeah, and that's actually where the title, the original title of Make Curling Great Again could have made some sense. That it, you, you tee it up as curling in the United States was doing well on a competitive level, on an international competitive level. Didn't really talk about the local level that much other than certain cities. Talking about mm-hmm. the debate between Milwaukee and Detroit and then Seattle comes in. But, you know, curling was strong internationally. It won some world championships and then it, it, so as a, as a title, it actually kind of makes sense given, I think what it's trying to, to do. But again, as you say, it goes from the world championship to basically 2010 and with no explanation really as to what is going on in American curling in the interim. So, right, so it felt strange. So, yeah. And to, to me then, uh, if this document, if this uh, film doesn't dive into that, what it does do is make me more curious to go and do research on my own, you know, which is probably accomplishing some of what they're looking to do, right? Get people interested in curling and trying to learn more about it and, and figure out why. I guess. All right. So, so let's walk through some of the steps of this. So it starts with an introduction of curling and some of the old footage, that classic old footage that you always see, when you think of old curlers, uh, there's a line, Scott, that uh, I would be curious of fact-checking. It's, I think, the first line in the movie where the narrator says, curling is the oldest team sport in the world. I would like that fact-checked. I don't... That, that doesn't sound real to me. What do you think, soccer? No, I would go with lacrosse, maybe. Uh, or some version of lacrosse. Maybe that's sort of a Canadian-centric way that I'm looking at it. Um, but certainly, during those old Olympics, those original Olympics, someone, there there would have been some sort of team event. You mean the ancient Olympics in Greece? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure no somewhere, way. someone teamed up. No, it was all running. Oh, can you run farther? Oh, can you throw this have rock a, they have a relay? If there was a relay, that's a team. No relaying. No. <laughs> what about There's two guys two. trying not to get killed by a tiger? Are they a team? Uh, no, because one of them is saying, as long as you don't catch me, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, no way. No way. Plus, they didn't have countries or I guess maybe they played for their city states. Anyway. We're getting yeah. a little bit off. The, a little off. Uh, that, but that line just struck me as like, really? Like, I, I, and, and again, maybe it's because I'm a historian. I was looking in the bottom corner for like, where's the footnote on that? <laughs> I want to <laughs> check that out. Like, is that actually true? Um, but anyway, so we get we get the old footage of, of the curlers. We get a bit of a background of how curling came to the United States. Uh, de- again, the debate between Detroit and Milwaukee, which city had the first club. And... Essentially, the the story is that a priest moved from Quebec, and that's where curling came from in the United States. And then we kind of jump to the American men winning the first world championship for the United States in the 1970s. And it gets presented as, you know, these were guys from Minnesota. Uh, Well, so it does also set up that Minnesota is the home of curling in the United States. 
And then these guys go out, they win the sort of the pinnacle of the sport for the United States in terms of international competition. Mm -hmm. They're sort of, it's sort of the same narrative that we've heard, uh, you know, all growing up in Canada. Yeah. Curlers are typically farmers that don't have anything to do in the winter. So they curl yes. and because they have the time to do it, they end up being really great. We've got the, the Richardson's from Saskatchewan, of course, uh, as our sort of, prairie lore and yep. uh, the united states has uh, the small town small town minnesota aspect of it uh just by the way a, a very cursory google search has yielded yeah, that what is it? polo is the oldest team sport mm. uh, appearing in persia around 2500 years ago okay yeah those horses yeah yeah crazy anyway they do all the work <laughs> and i just have a mallet yeah. <laughs> you know what they should do? Like, I've always wondered this. And again, this is off sort of off on a bit of a tangent. In the Olympics, did the, did the horses for the equestrians, did the horse get a medal? Because the horse is really doing all of the work. They're jumping, they're turning, they're doing everything. The guy on top is just, I mean, I know they do stuff and they're really important. And I don't want Eric Lamaze to like hit me up on Twitter with a bunch <laughs> of angry tweets. But the horse is essential. The horse should get something more than just oats and hay. Well, maybe they get uh, like roses around, like a necklace of roses. Yeah, that'd be good. They should get something. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Um, so I, we I go from <laughs> so we go from the American men winning the world championship in the 1970s immediately to John Schuster in 2018 winning the gold medal. They show the double for five in the eighth end against Nicodine to go up 10 to five. They show that shot multiple times in this mm -hmm. and the Americans are the Olympic champions. And I thought, wow, that's early for this to come up. A little bit early, a little bit early, but uh, I got to admit that clip is real. Uh, really evocative it's yeah it's good it's really good yeah it's it it is the key moment they have the good call on it it they show the crowd they show everyone fired up it's it's really cool um you you kind of see to schuster because they show him in the i think it's a shot from him in the tent then and he's just smiling <laughs> like he's just so happy I mean, the game's not officially over yet but mm -hmm. the game's really over and that's a cool shot that you know, when you, when you think of, or when I think of the Olympics in 2018 and even the footage that comes up when they show it on a curling broadcast, it's that shot and it's them on the podium and probably rightfully so those are the key moments, but that shot of him in the house, Sweden is throwing and he's just so happy. Uh, that is a really cool shot. And I, I really appreciated seeing that. Yeah, you're right. That is really cool because like, like you said, he knows he's won. Yeah. And just sort of, the moment hitting and sort of basking in it, looking around at the crowd, you know, everybody's cheering. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And then we go immediately to the first winter Olympics. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like this. Uh, curling was at the first Olympics. Only three teams went. So they said, uh, Hey, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Three teams, Scotland wins, they get the gold medal. And then that was it. Curling's done. Get out. Yeah, they didn't say who the other teams were, did they? No. Did you look it just up? Scotland. I did not, no. Uh, just Scotland was in it. 
And yeah, curling was not allowed back uh, at all for 70 whatever years. Now, I don't know if they're counting Calgary in that math because Calgary's not an Olympic or it's not a full medal sport there. It's there as a demonstration sport. Don't tell Linda Moore it doesn't count because it 100% counts. And that's one of those ones where sort of that math, I'm not sure exactly how they were counted. I'm sure they went mm-hmm. to when it was a full Olympic sport in 98 when they did that math. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we go from that footage and then we jump back to 2010 and we get the Simpsons who in 2010 had an episode about the parents, Marge and Homer, starting to curl. They eventually go to the Olympics. They win the Olympic gold medal. They beat the Swedish team in that game in that episode russia wins the bronze is a trivia question for you and that opens up the door to now we're going to talk about this process this this journey from 2010 to 2018 a little bit and how john schuster gets there so we have this thing that curling is part of the the popular culture for this moment in 2010 through the simpsons Mm -hmm. and then immediately America finishes last in 2010, both men's and women's. They also do the same in 2014. And John Schuster is kicked out of the elite program. Yeah, uh, pretty. I think this is pretty well established as the low point for U.S. curling. It uh, was after the 2014 Olympics, like yeah, two in a row with nothing. I, I believe the women won bronze in 2006. No, the Canadian women won bronze, right? Uh, yeah, Clybrink. Yeah, the so uh, the the U.S. I, I think got a medal anyway. Um, all all of our fans can correct me when I'm <laughs> when I'm wrong. Uh, so yeah, a pretty well established low point uh, in American curling and seeing sort of uh, the teams that got them to that low point. You know, they didn't touch too much on the women because this is a story about the Schuster team. But I think it's important right. to establish how far he fell yeah. in order to make it that much more remarkable that he got to such a height in 2018. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think it's one of those things where the, the, the audience that's going to be tuning into this, again, if it's intended for a casual curling fan or potentially not even a curling fan in the United States, mm-hmm. they're going to know who John Schuster is. And that's going to be the hook for them. So telling that story makes a lot of sense. And uh, Canada, or excuse me, the United States did not medal in 2006 on the women's side. Um, Annette Norberg beat Miriam Ott in the final there, and Shannon Clybrink did get the bronze. So I, I do understand focusing on the men's side. You do get a brief interview, talking head with Nina Roth, just talking about the establishment of the elite program and the money and the funding that has gone into it which is nice to see. Uh, mm-hmm. You see some of the, you see Jamie Sinclair in there, a talking head or anything, but we do see sort of the idea that the American high performance program has been established. And then this is the part that I thought was really strange. Just again, in terms of the order of this. So we have the two teams, men and women not doing well in 2010, 2014. And then we have this very brief, like two or three minute lead up to the 2018 Olympic trials, which were held in 2017, 
And we get Corey Dropkin talking about, I want to be an Olympian. And then we get like a 40 second montage of him working out in the dark for Mm -hmm. reasons. And then we get Chris Ply. He's talking Mm -hmm. about wanting to get to the Olympics. This is before, of course, he's on Team Schuster. And then we get some footage, both men's and women's, of the trials themselves. And the voiceover says it all culminated in these two rivalries playing best of three series. And then I thought, oh, we're going to get like a bit of a montage of these. And then it's just Nina Roth wins, John Schuster wins. And I thought, oh, that, yeah, but, abru- that felt abrupt. Yeah, maybe cut for time on, uh, you know, left on the cutting room floor. Potentially. But, but uh, yeah, like, I don't know how much more that adds if you talk about the women's teams uh, in this kind of a, a piece. But uh, maybe a couple more minutes on the battle between Schuster and, and Heath McCormick uh, could have set up, you know, just sort of the relief of Schuster having been yeah. kicked out of the high performance program, sort of getting back to the Olympics by doing it his own way. Yeah, I think you do see the the high point of the movie, at least for me, is after the footage of them winning the trials, you get Tyler Hamilton and he's talking what, what looks like a bond spiel Matt and he's there hanging out uh no tyler george sorry tyler george yeah and he says for me it was just the relief like mm. winning that last game because that series went to the third game in the best of three that winning that game getting to the olympics that it was just pure relief for him and he suggests that he knew that this was going to be his last round of mm-hmm. trying to get to the olympics and that just getting there, he just felt so much relief in that moment, which was pretty cool. And then he says, well, if you ask John, we might not have said the same thing. <laughs> but it was, I really like that. I think that was maybe the best insight that we saw in, in the documentary, that interview right there. Yeah, and I think for, for Ty, it's, it, it's clear in the way that he played at the Olympics, because he played quite well, uh, especially at the end of the week in their run to the gold medal, that he was sort of, when I was watching it, I thought, oh, he's playing with house money, right? Yeah. He's made it to the Olympics. It's been his goal. And now he's just going to go have fun and whatever happens, happens. For sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you definitely saw that in the uh, in the doc. So we then get back to Pyeongchang. The Americans win. And then we see them on the media tour. They go everywhere. I remember them on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. We see that. We see them throwing out the first pitch at a Minnesota Twins game. We see them at a Minnesota Wild game. They do the uh, ceremonial curling draw to the center line at the outdoor stadium series Mm -hmm. uh, on the the New Year's. I I don't know if that was a New Year's Day game, uh, if that was the classic or not, or just an outdoor game. I think it was the one in Washington, right? uh it was a wild game okay um i think so they they do that um i i I could be wrong on that though um we also see them at the white house uh with president trump we see them at the new york stock exchange we see them can uh, can we just can we just talk about trump for a sec sure Um, not to get political he says uh where is uh where is uh these guys uh Tyler George, like they're literally like John, 
John Schuster was literally standing right beside him. Right. Well, to be fair, to be fair to Trump, John Schuster is the only member of the team who was there in that front row. Because as Trump is saying, "Where are these guys?" You do see Tyler George, Matt Hamilton, and John Lance Snyder come from the back. Okay, it, it, re- it really stood out to me as quite funny. Like, uh, he's yeah. right beside you. Yeah. Like <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but, but I, I love the idea too because I'm assuming it was the entire U.S. Cur- or U.S. Olympic team, Olympic team event yeah. at the at the White House. So John Schuster got the front row spot. <laughs> the rest of the guys are sent to the back. And uh, so, it was, uh, yeah, so that was kind of a cool moment. Uh, and you see Trump say uh, that it was you know, great achievement in, in, in the way that Trump does where he says, I, I, apparently a lot of people didn't think we were going to win. <laughs> uh, so so you, see, you see them there uh, participating in, in that event, uh, a bunch of different uh, press conferences, signings, that they're doing you see terry from the u.s curling association who's their media mm-hmm. relations person she talks about just how much of a whirlwind it was and i didn't remember this that and maybe i should have but they flew home and then flew back to do the closing ceremonies yeah it was pretty insane right because they had to come back and they did all of the media blitz right and then went back for the closing ceremonies like yeah no sleep insane it's insane to me what they did yeah and i hope they got a lot of points yeah definitely um you also see in this uh that my favorite i think my favorite footage in the the documentary is matt hamilton he was playing in what i assume was the pro-am at pebble beach yes i think that's was it yeah and he uses his gold medal as a ball marker on the green (laughs) Yeah, which is pretty cool. Uh, wearing an outfit that can only be described as something that John Daly would be jealous of. <laughs> Super patriotic, right? It's like yeah, white and blue. It's what what you would see uh, somebody wearing on the Fourth of July if they're insane. <laughs> like <laughs> it was just so much uh, so much patriotism going there, yeah. and I I would say marking your ball with the Olympic gold medal is the all time can never be, never be topped. No. And I love it too. Cause he, he put it down and then the, the ribbon that, you know, yeah. like the part that goes around your neck, he, he actually like put lays it out. So that's a straight line that it's not crumpled. Uh, it's, it's really quite brilliant. Probably used it as a guide. Right. And then he like, he <laughs> walks around the whole putt, like taking yeah. his time. It's awesome. Yeah, just brilliant. Uh, well, well played, Matt Hamilton. <laughs> Our new friend, Matt Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Got a, a on the show. <laughs> birthday shout out, Matt Hamilton. Uh, so we get that. And, and the thesis of this part of the film is that the focus for these guys wasn't so much on the achievement, although they certainly reveled in it. And it's impossible to blame them for that. But for them, the focus of doing all of this stuff, all the media blitz, was to get more attention on curling, to get people into curling centers, and hopefully grow the sport at the grassroots level. And and you see them doing events. Like it's it's. I think it's easy to say, yeah, I'll go on the Tonight Show. I'll go play at Pebble mm-hmm. Beach. Like those events are easy. But the things that you also see them doing the autograph signings, the appearances at local events, at, at smaller scale things, those are the ones where 
you really, or at least for me, where I really start to believe that they're doing this to grow the sport. They're not doing it for their own egos or for, for whatever, for the fame, for the notoriety of it, that they're engaging in all these activities because they are genuine in their desire to grow the sport in the United States. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, with uh, John and John and Matt, they haven't had as much time because they've kept playing uh, yeah. the next two years. But but Tyler George has really taken that mantle. Uh, things we hear on podcasts, things we see on Twitter. Tyler George is at this bond spiel, at that bond spiel, making appearances, uh, doing clinics. I think there was a clinic he did in Hawaii. Uh, yeah. Going going and sort of being a guest. I mean, that, 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 that's an easy one to say yes to as well. Sure, but uh, hey, Tyler George, you live in you live in Minnesota. You want to come to Hawaii? Uh, well, let me think about that. I don't know. Is that a direct flight on, uh, on Delta or what? So, so yeah, but like all of that stuff that they're doing is proof that that is something that they had set out to do and was intentional, uh, right? They, yeah, I think they knew it as soon as as soon as they beat Canada in that uh semifinal yes they they knew that they had a mantle to uphold you know to grow the game in in the u.s and that everybody would be watching that gold medal match in the middle of the night yes <laughs> in the middle of the night and and that's kind of where it stops uh that's where the the documentary finishes it's we want to grow the sport. You see some of the events that they're going to. You you see people who are excited about it. They talk about the community value of the sport. The original title comes out of a quote here that uh, is said by one of the, the featured speakers, one of the talking heads that, and, and it's, it's born not out of the political side of, of that statement, but more so what he's actually trying to say is, there's so much division in the United States. And again, this is two years ago that this was made, but there's so much division that a curling club can be a place where you can come in and just hang out and everyone can hopefully get along. And and that's really what he's trying to say is that the, a curling club can be the center of a community and, and bring a, the community spirit together and regardless of, of partisan politics. And certainly on the show, we've talked about how not all clubs are super inclusive and super welcoming, but the intention or the desire to have a curling center be that focal point of community. I think that is a very well-intentioned statement. Yeah, I agree. And they do a really good job of showing what a tight knit club looks like. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, it, to me as somebody watching, I was like, Oh, I'd like to, I'd like to go play there. It looks fun. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, you know, to somebody who's interested in, in curling, hopefully that's the message that they get that, oh, it's a pretty fun place to go hang out, learn a new fun sport, meet new people, make new friends, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where we leave it. And we end with the credits rolling over the Cheeto song. Yeah, this, uh, I didn't remember this, Sean. <laughs> but it made me laugh a lot <laughs> yeah and this is now this is something that was actually made pre-olympics in 2018 because i remember being at the continental cup in 2018 and uh, terry was there from usa curling and i don't think it had been released yet but they had filmed it okay and it was 
I think it was released either just before the Olympics or maybe even during the Olympics as a way to sort of generate interest around the Olympic Games. And she was super excited about it, that she thought it was great and amazing. And and then I saw it and I was like, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I, uh, I think it's, it sounds like teach me how to Dougie, right? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's all about fun. Cheetos and curling. Yeah. So, so overall, Sean, it, when I said it's not quite a documentary, but it's not quite a puff piece, yeah. uh, would you say after talking it through, the goal of this piece is to get more people curling? Oh, no question. Yeah, I think it's something that is intended to get Americans excited about curling. Yeah, and do you think it accomplishes that goal? I don't know. I'm not an American, so it it doesn't do much for me in terms of, you know, the patriotism of it, of being like, sure. hey, like America, we won and, you know, top of the world, gold medal, all that. And to be fair, when Canada wins, I, I don't really have much of a reaction either. Um, you know, the, the fact that somebody who won a gold medal was born within the same arbitrarily drawn border that I was born doesn't really do that much for me to be to be perfectly honest i usually am more excited about the individuals and people who i'm fans of right especially in the mm-hmm. curling context right like at the briar and the scotties i root for the teams that i want to watch for another week at the right, world championship right. as opposed to the teams that i think would necessarily put canada in the best position to win so i'm not the the best person to ask in terms of does this rouse any sort of nationalistic or patriotic sensibility in somebody because it does it certainly doesn't do that for me when I watch it. And that's why I lean more to this being, being a puff piece. Okay. Of being promotional and trying to get people interested in curling. And I think it's totally fine if that's the goal, because the fact that it leaves out some of the older stuff about the world championships and then the implied trough that American curling went into internationally for a long time. I think that, the absence of that makes it so that there isn't a clear narrative through the the documentary that builds to that gold medal. And the fact that we see the gold medal shot so early in it also makes me feel as though they're not trying to tell this story of the growth of American curling as, as much as it is to just get people excited about American curling. So right. that's, that, that's sort of where I land on it. Okay. Uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, one thing that uh, I wanted to mention is uh, Rocks Across the Pond did an episode called The Ballad of John Schuster a few months ago that really goes in depth, I would say from 2010 on through the gold medal uh, about John Schuster's career and the ups and downs and stuff. And if you're interested in a little more in-depth look at the Schuster part. Uh, go ahead and listen to that. Uh, it's really good. It's quite long. I think it's about two hours, but yeah, uh, really detailed, really good. And I would say what you could do is maybe take this film a- as a basis. And if there was money and people interested in building it out, uh, you know, with something like Ryan's narrative uh, if, if for that part, and then some extra research on, you know, what happened to curling in America, some talking heads to some of the curlers from 
those days, you know, that would be, I think, a great documentary. Yeah, I agree. I think if you want to know more about how John Schuster's career has gone and how he got to 2018, that Ryan's love letter to John <laughs> Schuster, it, it does tell that story in a much more effective way than this does. And, you know, we like in this, we don't hear from Matt Hamilton, which is kind of surprising. Uh, well, we do, but like very briefly, um, mm -hmm. we don't hear at all from John Landsteiner. Uh, so it's not really so much about the team as it is, uh, again, about trying to promote a, a curling in the United States. So if you want to know more about how that team got there, because it is a, a really fascinating story. I, I agree with you, Scott, that go to the Rocks Across the Pond episode about the ballad of John Schuster. And, and that is a much more effective way of telling that team's story. Uh, again, I think this is trying to accomplish something different, I think, for what it is. It's fine. I, I kind of feel the same way as I felt after we watched the National Film Board movies is that I don't regret watching it, but I don't think I'm going to run back to it at any point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that's fair. I, I mean, I agree with your sentiments uh, on that. Like, yeah, I don't need to see it. And again, I'm also not American. So the patriotism doesn't speak to me either. Uh, I'm interested to hear from people who did watch it and what they thought. And was it exciting to even have a curling story being told uh, in a film medium? You know, yeah. uh, we looked through Canada's national film board, like you said, and we found two films, yep. one from the sixties and one from the fifties. So even the novelty of having something about curling, it, you know, there's something to be said about Curling Zone uh, helping with the production uh, or making this a Curling Zone production, you know, and sort of make taking that first step to broadening the appeal for curling, uh, especially in the U.S. with this. So I thought uh, for that, well done. Uh, I liked, I sort of liked how they filmed uh, Tyler and Matt's talking heads, which were kind of, you know, the background was a, a bond spiel. Yeah, right? I agree. Yep. It was kind of perfect. It wasn't, you know, uh, TSN, you know, the black curtains backdrop, you know, all serious power pose. Yeah. It was kind of, yeah, these guys are curlers and there's Regular nothing guys, different. Yeah. There's nothing different about them other than that. They want a gold medal versus yeah. the rest of these curlers. Right. Yeah. Well, as somebody who has studied this in the audio uh, in, in sort of the realm of audio, mm -hmm. you always want to put interviews in places that make sense, right? So like, the, you know, mm -hmm. the example I always use when I'm talking to students about this is you would never interview a server on the, you know, on the beach, right? You always are going to interview a server in a restaurant where you have the ambience of a restaurant, right? You, it has to make sense for what you're trying mm -hmm. to do. Like the, the orality of it, uh, has to has to work and, and for this right. one having these guys talk about how curling is a community sport brings people together it's a lot of fun if you had them in a studio with silence it doesn't quite work the same way as actually being able to hear behind them all these people hanging out and having a good time it just it really works for that part of it and this is the something that if i was usa curling and i don't know if they've done this but i would say to nbc hey give us a half hour after curly night in america one night or before curly night in america and let's run it and or maybe maybe they have but like why not yeah why not uh i agree i agree i wanted to say also 
uh, this film was also made in support of the Lupus Research Foundation. So uh, if you're looking to donate to the Lupus Research Foundation, there's a link on a Curling Zone's website where uh, you can also watch the movie. Nice. And yeah. as it sits right now on YouTube, on the Curling Zone YouTube, now again, this was uploaded on Independence Day this year with the new title. So it was re-released. Uh, but the ratio of thumbs up to thumbs down, very positive. 36 up, one down. Hey, good ratio. Did you have that one up? Uh, no, I'm not signed in here uh, on the YouTube. I'm, I'm assuming that the one down is from either Kevin Cooey or Nicholas Adine. I'm not, <laughs> not sure which one of them would have yeah. thumbs down. Yeah, and, and Sean, you mentioned uh, we didn't hear from John Landsteiner. Uh, par for the course, right? <laughs> I don't think yeah. I can identify his voice. No, no. We never hear from leads. They're, <laughs> they're not included. Well, if we do happen to get to the world championship and they are there this year, we'll make it a point to get an interview with John Landsteiner. Absolutely. And then we'll splice it into uh, to this show and re-release it. <laughs> so overall, Scott, do you have a grade for the Anything is Possible film? Uh, I'll I'll give it a B. Good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. I I, I might go a B minus. Just I, I would have liked a little more narrative structure through the middle. But I, I you know I'm, I'm with you. It does what it seeks to do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, if you want to watch it, as we said, it's available through Curling Zone on the Curling Zone YouTube. We will also throw some links up on Twitter and Facebook and on the website as well. But definitely check it out. So. Uh, Worth your time. It's only 28 minutes. So if you hate it, it's not the end of the world. When your I, don't favorite, think uh, I don't think you'll hate it. When your favorite baseball team is getting blown out, uh, throw it on because uh, it's better than the alternative. Yeah. So, uh, so that will do it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. If you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcast. Give us the likes, the ratings, the comments, all that kind of stuff. We are apparently in a battle with Rocks Across the Pond for the most comments on iTunes. Cool. I didn't know that this was happening. This was just thrown at us uh, completely unsolicited. It was just a, a something that was thrown down. I was very shocked by it. So apparently this is a, a contest. All right. Well, uh, we can uh, do that. No problem. <laughs> so, uh, so please do go and uh, do all that stuff. It's really more because it helps other people find the show, helps us grow and helps the show keep going. Uh, so please do go and do that. And you can also follow along with everything we're doing on Facebook and Twitter at Game of Stones Pod and Instagram too. And you can find Scott on those things at Scott Lakes TV and I am at the Sean Graham. And of course, you can find everything we do over at Game of Stones Pod dot com including the t-shirts that are available we have gray red and black t-shirts i wore the gray one on our weekly chat with rocks across the pond on monday it's my favorite of the shirts uh, i have all the colors uh, but if you do go and purchase one of the shirts all proceeds are going to food banks canada and we are matching those as well so if you do the order, it's like a double donation to Food Banks Canada. But as always, if you don't want the shirt and want to just donate to Food Banks Canada or your local food bank, you're not going to hear an argument from us. So, Absolutely. Scott? Sean, this was nice. 
have a have a good one (laughs) yeah we'll be back with everybody next week if you have ideas for what you want to hear get in touch game of stones podcast at gmail.com so we'll be back next wednesday but until then keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern make the final